I think kettle beef came out of Nathan's head. Okay. That's my knee jerk. This is Chapel Bell Curve, a podcast about football and also feelings. I'm Justin. I'm Nathan. And I'm Yara. And today we are back again to preview what is, I think, in my memory, the most important or highly ranked homecoming game in the history of UGA football. This weekend's upcoming tilt between your Georgia Bulldogs and the bizarro Missouri Tigers of Missouri. So... If you have not joined us before, we are going to be doing this preview in the same way that we do every preview from both a qualitative and quantitative standpoint. We will have some little fun games that we play always. We will talk about some news. We will get into some history of Missouri. I will teach Yara about who Missouri is as a team and a football program. Then we will take it from a quantitative standpoint where we talk about some players of note getting to know Mizzou from both a schematic and also a personnel standpoint. And then we will make some predictions and talk about what we want to see. We will finish it out with Justin's dark desires who holds the leash, a deeply erotic yet well-written poem about Truman, the tiger and hairy dog. So if people would like to get more involved in our podcast or support us, Yara, what can they do? I'm so glad you asked. For as little as $1 a month, you can come join our burgeoning community at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. As little as $1 a month gets you access to this awesome community as well as access to our live shows, um, which you can find on Discord. And you can also do more than $1 a month if you fuck with us like that, which thank mm. you for doing so. For, five, for $3 a month, you can get access to our unedited show feeds. And for $5 a month, you can get access to our show notes. And you can do more than that and get even more, like an entire fucking segment or an advert or whatever Whoa. the hell you want. Chapel Bell or patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. All right, let's get it. That's the one. All right, so let's get the into news. the qualitative preview. Yes, it's time for the newsies. <laughs> I'm, for, this, for this episode, I'd like to bring back our newsies bit, Justin. Where we we put okay. on our let's put on our flat caps and let's organize a union for these newsboys. Yara, you're Christian yeah, Bale. They need representation. Yeah, it's the newsies with the news. You have <laughs> off the top, Justin, already identified the most oh. important of the story in the uh, in the nation of college football coming in. Hit us with it. it Breaking was, news. Oh my god, it was hot off the presses, y'all. Just less than two hours ago, Texas Tech and TCU are as we record this still playing a game. However. The game itself is not as important as what happened on the field. I'm putting my tin foil hat on for this one because there was a possum on the field. Everyone is absolutely transfixed, absolutely mesmerized by the fact that an adorable little marsupial, America's only and favorite marsupial, was on the field of this game in Texas. However, nobody is making the connection that this is probably another Connor Stallions move. This man can't be stopped. Men will literally employ a possum instead of going to therapy, Nathan and Yara. I am so upset that no one is asking the right question, and instead everyone is falling prey to this sleight of hand. What are your thoughts? So the sort of scenario that you've concocted in your head here is that the possum has some kind of spy cam on it, recording both TCU and Texas Tech. 
Does it need a spy cam though? Can't the possum just be a possum? I mean, right. It it absolutely could. But my question is, what is the how, what's how, the spy device? Yeah, what's the spy device if it's just a possum? Although I am seeing pictures of this possum. It does look very upset. It seems to have been captured and taken off the field, which I say is really a travesty. Let the possum truly play. Is. They should have let... There's there's no rule in, in football. I was about to say, why couldn't we play? make this like an air possum situation? This is an air bud <laughs> situation like waiting to happen. The part that what. they didn't put on the TV is that moments before that possum was captured, it was caught with a pair of Google Glass eyeglasses. So that does sort of lead oh, itself into, I think, okay, some that makes other conspiracy pieces that y'all should share. Right. Yeah, that absolutely does. So the newest update in the Connor Stallion saga, which is not, by the way, the name of the low rent porn that we're making about the University of Michigan program. The Connor Stallion not saga, yet, anyway. not yet, is the... Of course, Spygate Saga with Michigan. Apparently, there is a picture going around that is from the opening day game between Mississippi, or Mississippi, Michigan State and Central Michigan. And on the sideline, there is a man who looks quite a bit like Connor Stallions behind the head coach of Central Michigan, which, by the way, is Jim Malhawain, famed shark humper and former Florida coach. So... <laughs> What is very intriguing about this is not that Michigan would send a staffer to a Michigan State game, put him in Central Michigan clothing and like actual Central Michigan sideline gear and have him watch the other team signals. What is what makes this to me like newsworthy or at least like conspiracy theory worthy is that it appears in the clip that he this person appears in that he has glasses on that seem to have some sort of blue light coming off of them. And if you like go down that rabbit hole of tinfoil hatting, there is actually a specific model of Ray-Ban smart glasses that have a camera in the outside edge of the frame that automatically have a blue light turn on when you're recording. So I'm not saying that they literally sent a guy with spy glasses on to go and record Michigan State signals, but like it does kind of seem like that might have happened. And I love it. I also love the fact that Connor Stallions is like so clearly trying to disguise himself, like just by putting on a hat and Central Michigan sideline gear. It's amazing. Never stop being yourself, Michigan. At this point, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach there next year, but I really wish he would be because this is the kind of thing that. I like I have dreamed of Michigan's downfall. I've been dreaming on it. And now that it's happening, I don't want it to end. I want I want Michigan to turn into Auburn. Where it's just like Can I a say, constant scandal. So Jim McElwain also was uh <laughs> he did come out and provide some quotes for this sort of uh this Marvel esque, you know, dress up style this guy's got going on. The hat and the sunglasses is just Marvel superhero undercover. But he claims to be unaware of Stallion's presence and took a harsh stance on the allegations and scandal as a whole. He said, quote, before we go any further, we're obviously aware of a picture floating around on the sign stealer guy. People are doing everything they can to get to the bottom of it. We're unaware, totally unaware of it. I certainly don't condone it in any way, shape or form. I do know this. His name was on none of the passes that were let out. Now we just keep tracing it back and tracing it back and try to figure it out. It's in good hands with our people. And again, there is no place in football for that. And so... 
I think it would have been really easy for him to look at that and go, that's blah, blah, blah. That's our guy. That's right. a guy that works with the team. Right. But instead, yeah, because he, he could have just said, that's, that's, that's Steve. That's our guy who washes the towels. His name's Steve. Yeah. We, we let him on the sideline, but he's not a coach. Easy. Done. Yeah. But instead he says this, which leads me to believe that is very much Connor Stallion. I know. Which and is just wild. I guess what adds to the conspiracy theory of this is that Jim McElwain, who was who was the coach at Florida and now is the coach at Central Michigan, was on the Michigan staff for one year in his, like, you know, I guess, repolishing tour where he's trying to get another job. And he overlapped with Connor Stallions. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that these two people have already met. I'm just saying, like, the truth is out there. Good F. Michigan cheats. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. Pretty outstanding. The only... So, I, real news. <laughs> real news. Yeah. I would say real, but, like, the playoff rankings don't matter right now. But the first weekend, the first week That's of playoff true. rankings just came out. Georgia is second. I, I don't think anyone... I don't think I've seen anyone in the Georgia sphere have any problem with Georgia being second. If anything, I think I've seen more people say that they're overrated at second at in the playoff rankings. And like, I think Georgia fans would prefer if we were like 10th at this point, I'll be honest, just to like get the juice in Kirby smart. So if you want to know the top 10 is Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, Florida state are the top four. Then just outside in the rest of the top 10 is Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, and then Ole Miss. Ole Miss being number 10 is hilarious, but that also does help our strength of schedule if they continue to win uh, going into next week. I, I do want to know, you know, Yara, as as a newer fan, what are your initial feelings on this situation? I love it. I think this is okay. the best. I love rum. I love <laughs> yummy rat poison. And I genuinely, I don't think we deserve to be ranked number one right now, especially not with the way that we were struggling against pretty fucking easy teams fcs teams in the first half of the season right like we we do not deserve number one we don't even deserve number two i'm of the belief that we did we should have gotten three or four and i don't know how we didn't so yummy rat poison you know yummy rat poison indeed if anything it's like not enough rat poison i wish that we were like 21st or something that would be ideal for me (laughs) that would have been wild I wish that they would have just been like, we're not ranking Georgia. That way that we could have a, yeah, like just totally unranked, full send it, like damn the torpedoes. I feel like if we, if we had come out anywhere below the top 10, I would have been like, okay, yeah, we're three-peating. Like if we'd come out at 11, I would have been like, yeah, that's it. That it's done. Go ahead and hang the trophy. Because like, if we got that much rat poison, I think it would make Kirby Smart too powerful. If we got that much message board material, he'd be he'd be too strong, you know. Anyway, so it's time for some history, and I'm going to do the history of Missouri football, and then Yara has stepped in gallantly and is going to do our mascot history. So I don't have a lot to say. I'm not going to do the whole history of Missouri football. There are a couple of interesting things and points that I want to make. And then there's some like newer history from approximately 10 years ago that we're going to go over just because I've decided that Yara needs to be treated like she doesn't know about stuff because they probably don't. So let's go over this. Things that are interesting about Missouri, or at least that I find to be interesting. This being UGA's homecoming week is coincidental because Missouri disputed, but Missouri does claim and is often recognized as the birth of the homecoming tradition in football. According to the University of Missouri, it first happened 
in the 1911 Kansas versus Missouri football game when they played the Kansas Jayhawks in what would be the first installment of the Border War rivalry series. I don't know if you know this, but Missouri traditionally plays Kansas a lot, and they call it the Border War, the Border War, because there was a a big sort of pre-Civil War guerrilla warfare thing going on between Missouri and Kansas, because Kansas was a free state and Missouri was a slave state. And this is also where the Harper's Ferry Raid happened, and John Brown, I don't know if you're familiar with that. John Brown, American hero. He knew what you do with people who own enslaved people. You kill them. Anyway, so Missouri really takes homecoming seriously in a way that I think is fun. It is really a joy. Like their their homecoming festivities make anybody else's homecoming festivities seem silly because it just like, kind of originated there. I think that's great. Missouri has only played Georgia 12 times. They've only won once in 2013. In terms of the history of these two programs, it is kind of a lopsided thing for Georgia. They they pretty much have the edge in, in every measurable aspect of program success. Missouri, Missouri has not won a national championship. They've only won 12 conference championships, and they have not won the SEC since entering it in 2013. However, they do have two SEC East championships, which brings me to the legend of Gary Pinkle, which is a great name. Gary Pinkle was Missouri's previous coach to this one, Eli Drinkwitz. And in his sort of transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC, which happened in 2013, he managed to upset a bunch of teams and then win the SEC East twice in his first two years there. And then immediately get just atomized in the SEC championship game immediately after that. This is relevant to UGA because in 2013 he came to Athens and beat UGA. It was a very big win for that program and sort of ended our season of relevance. In 2014, UGA beat Missouri like 34 to 6 and Missouri also I believe lost to Kansas, but because UGA lost a very fluky game to South Carolina early in the year at South Carolina, Missouri was still the SEC East Championship champion and went and got sort of sacrificed on an altar to peak Alabama. This is relevant to sort of the lore of the UGA football program because that loss to South Carolina that kept us out of the SEC championship is generally considered to be the birth of the hate dog meme. I don't know if you're familiar with this thing from Reddit, Yara, where it's like a little it's like a little round cartoon that's like Georgia, but it's like psychotic and it kills people and takes trophies off of the other mascots and stuff. Yeah, and that is because Georgia lost the 2014 South Carolina game on a very bad spot and a very bad ref call that would have uh, lost them or that would have basically iced the game for Georgia. And they ended up losing 35-38. So there is a lot of a lot more history to Missouri's program and to the University of Missouri in general. They are a very, very good J school. They're one of the better public J schools and journalism schools in the nation. They have a very interesting and pretty campus. I actually think Como, Columbia, is really cool. Uh, it's a really beautiful place. It, I, I wouldn't say it gives me Athens vibes. It's, I think, bigger than Athens, but it does. It is pretty cool. Shakespeare's Pizza is like this really famous pizza joint in the middle of Columbia. Well, I don't think it's in the middle, but it's very good. I there's a lot of cool things going on, and also in in my experience, Missouri fans are just nice. 
I don't know if it's like a stereotypical Midwestern thing or something, but they just aren't as nasty to band kids at at least as the other SEC fans that I experience. Another kind of interesting Missouri history note is that they have these columns on their campus, which are like the remains of, uh, I think they're just called, literally just called the columns. They're these 43 foot tall ionic columns that are, are the remains of the original, I think the original academic hall, um, which they, I, which I think burnt down. I'll have to check that. Give me a second. Yeah, they burnt down. And the columns are actually, the six columns are actually like, they're kind of like the arch for Missouri. There's all sorts of traditions that work around them. And they also are like a sort of iconic piece of symbolism for the University of Missouri writ large. I kind of like this team. I kind of like these fans. I have a hard time summoning hate for them, I'll be honest, even though I was there when we lost to them the one time we did. Yara, what's the history of the Missouri Tiger? Okay, ready? Yes. So, uh, the first mention I could find of Mizzou's mascot was in 1890. The men of Mizzou's first football team adopted their name in honor of a militia unit nicknamed Tigers, made up of local men who came together to defend Columbia from guerrilla bands during the Civil War, which I guess is what you were talking about with Kansas. Mm -hmm. And there were some student mascots that came from at least the 1940s with two tigers being Little Tiger for the woman and Big Tiger for the man, which fascinating i also have some pictures on our notes which you can access for five dollars a month patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve boom and every time um early costumes consisted of a body made out of yellow cloth with painted stripes and a head made out of paper mache impressive for college students as a college student (laughs) i can't i don't know how they did that but they didn't have the internet yeah they could get through college on a mcdonald's salary yeah they could and every True. year the designs of the costumes were they kind of varied um some of them were like a little nice a little friendly they were smiling their tongues were sticking out and some of them looked like they would root for you so that's fun uh. <laughs> and in 1981 the two mascots were combined into one unisex genderless tiger it was <laughs> that was it it went nameless for three years until cheerleaders ran a Name the Tiger contest in 1984. And they could submit proposed names for $1. Imagine $1. getting to... No, pause. Because I, th- I, th- I had to think about this. Imagine what year was this? paying $1 to name your mascot. Fucking bars. I Hold on, hold on. For like... Dollar conversion. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> They did. They had a Patreon, guys. <laughs> they did. Okay. A dollar in 1984 is worth $3 today. That's all. Still, for like That's half wild. of a minimum wage salary in Georgia, you could name your mascot. And if you had enough friends in like fraternities or sororities, you could definitely name your fucking mascot. That's nobody should give that power to college students because if I had that no. power. I would have done some freaky ass shit with that name. I would have. This is Dick the dog. <laughs> yeah, Vex. And the name Truman won, um, I think because Harry Truman, an alum of 
uh, Missouri. And the Tiger mascot was officially adopted by the nineteen or the eighteen ninety two football team. I already said that, I think. But uh yeah. Two different cartoonists put out their own spin on Mizzou's tiger because nobody knew what the fuck a tiger was in Missouri, I guess. Um <laughs> Amady Wolschlager, yup. The Weatherbird cartoon for the St. Louis Post Dispatch drew covers of various Mizzou mascots, and Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts, also made mascots. They looked very different. They did not look the same. Again, nobody knew what the fuck a tiger was. Truman didn't really look like a fucking tiger, uh, or consistently a tiger at least, until the Missouri-Utah State football game in 1986. I've attached some pictures of some mascots that were drawn during this time of nobody knowing what a tiger was. And I wanted y'all to pick your favorites. Like, just give, really me a, like the... give me a read off some of these mascots, if you will. Huh. Okay, so you have uh, you've attached a button here that says we're from Missouri, which is also great because it's just such a like <laughs> declarative statement for a football button. But the tiger on it, it kind of looks like if Steve Buscemi killed a tiger and made like a face mask from the tiger skin. I was thinking it looked kind of like Eugene Levy tiger. Oh, Just I see that. Yeah. Has some some large eyebrows. Levied him on out. Now, I also like you have another tiger that's been drawn down here in the bottom right. It's it's like a yellow background with like a monocolored tiger. And I like this tiger because he looks like a mascot for a kid's cereal that has cocaine in it. <laughs> that tiger is coked out. That that tiger has not slept in weeks. Come get your cocos. <laughs> also worth noting, that's the only one with a number on it. I don't know why, but I just think it's fun that that one has a number one on it. As if, yeah. like, I'm guessing this is a Charles Schultz one. Charles Schultz was like, yeah, I've seen a tiger. I've been to the zoo. So he drew it, and he was like, I don't know. What else do football people like? Numbers, number one? I don't yeah, know. Number Fuck. one. Here you yeah. go. Here you go. I also like it because it is, like, the implication of it being the number to me is that that's his prison number, and that he was the number. He was the first prisoner. He's like <laughs> Methuselah. He's like 2,000 years old or whatever. He was like the first prisoner in the that's United incredible. States 2,000 years ago. Now I'm yeah. using, like, BYU timelines here. Anyway, that was a shot at Mormonism. I don't want to let that one Whoops. go by. I want people to know that I meant to do that. Anyway, thank you, Yara. Great segment. Let's bring it to my favorite segment of the game, Notable Nemeses. Now, there are some very famous people who went to Missouri. In fact, one that I left off that I will just tell you is Brad Pitt went to Missouri. And he's actually only one credit away from graduating. He still has not yet graduated because he apparently is missing one credit, which is hilarious to me. It's a very, very strong move. So I am going to give you a list of people. Of these people, two of them did not go to Missouri. Three of them did. Are you ready? All right. The people are John Hamm, notoriously hot man, star of Mad Men and other media properties and also star of my heart rush limbaugh notorious shitbag may he rest in hell and conservative media talk show host i hope that god is real so that that guy can be in hell oh is that too political for you inevitable person who's gonna write a fucking one-star review did you think we were republicans anyway 
Moving on. Tennessee Williams, playwright. He wrote, he wrote Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Streetcar Named Desire and all sorts of other sweaty Southern plays. Next, Cheryl Crow, who was a, oh, well, is still very much alive, is like your mom's favorite singer. Like, if you have a mom who got a divorce, at one point, she went through a Sheryl Crow phase. She was 100%. also, like, an ex-partner of uh, Lance Armstrong. Finally, Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> she was. They dated. Lance Armstrong and Sheryl Crow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Two very low-body-fat people just rubbing their skinny stick bodies on each other. Anyway, Cedric the Entertainer. Very famous actor and stand-up comedian. Was one of the, I believe, kings of Def Jam comedy, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was in that sort of generation of comedians. So those are our, our five. John Hamm, Rush Limbaugh, Tennessee Williams, Cheryl Crow, Cedric the Entertainer. One of these, Yara, I will tell you, has a personal connection to you. That's not going to help you guess, but I'm just telling you one of them has a connection what? to you that you don't know. I really hope it's not Rush Limbaugh. It is not I'm Rush really Limbaugh. S- oh, thank God. I was really fucking scared. Ah! <laughs> okay. okay. I I know 100% that John Hamm went to Mizzou. Um, I also know, I don't know if we said this already in the show or it was just in the pre-show, that this school has an outstanding journalism program but also has an outstanding theater program. So both of those things are true. And so I am willing to say that Rush Limbaugh probably also went to University of Missouri and Tennessee Williams may have gone. I would not be surprised if Cedric the Entertainer went. I'd like to say instead that John Hamm, Tennessee Williams, and Cedric the Entertainer went to Mizzou. Those are my guesses. Okay, so you think that Rush Limbaugh and Cheryl Crow did not go. Correct. Yara, what are your guesses? Well, you said you're 100% sure that John Hamm went to Mizzou. So, yes. Therefore, that's one of them. Um, I'm going to put two and two together here, okay? Because respectfully, I know of Rush Limbaugh, but like, because I only because I know that he died and like a lot of people pissed on his grave. So, yeah. If let's put two and two together, if Nathan says that he was a conservative like talk show person, and Mizzou is known for good, really good journalism programs, I think it's safe to assume that Rush Limbaugh did not go to Mizzou, because if he well, did, maybe he would have been good at what he did, and he isn't. He was so, very good at what he did. That's the problem. <laughs> Oh. oh yeah he's very good tea. at it he was just also full of hate oh t okay um cheryl crow is too like specific of a name uh for her for her not to go to mizzou and anybody that nathan has a crush on whenever he says that they're in here they automatically went to that school so cheryl crow <laughs> went fair. to mizzou i feel a little red <laughs> yeah um in a, i don't know what that means i'm sorry um, <laughs> oh carry on it's fine i don't about know cedric? who tennessee williams is and i also don't know who cedric is so that's my bad i guess tennessee williams is a cool name though it who is did you name. say that tennessee williams is again he is a, a playwright. playwright 
Okay, so he went to Mizzou. Maybe. I'm analyzing your face right now. But <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer? Um, no, nah, no. I think it's John Hamm. I guess Rush Limbaugh. I guess. And Cheryl Crow, I think. Okay. Yeah. Bars. What you got, Nathan? You were very close to perfect. You got one wrong. Fuck, at, fucking hell. John Hamm did go to Missouri. Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh went to SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, I think, Southeast Missouri University. Tennessee Williams. Oh my gut. Tennessee Williams went to Missouri, but this was also a trick question because Tennessee Williams went to like every college in Missouri. He went to Missouri <laughs> and then he also went to University of Washington in St. Louis. And then I think he briefly went to Missouri State. Cedric the Art. Okay. I don't judge. Okay. Sometimes you need a minute to find what school works for you. Right. Yeah. So I'm live with it. Cheryl Crow also went to Missouri, and that's the personal connection because okay. she was uh, is also an SAI sister. Oh, word! Yeah. Love and Roses, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer went to SEMO as well. So huh. Cedric okay. the Entertainer and Rush Limbaugh did not go to Missouri. I picked those two because I thought it was funny that those two went to the same school, at the, like, not at the same time, but at all. That they'd ever been in the same place. Yeah. You know, that's wild to me. Damn. So yeah, your undefeated streak, streak comes to an end. Yeah, it does not last. But you might be able to get it on this one. There's only one wrong answer on this one. So pretty famously, Missouri is known for, and Columbia, Missouri, as well as St. Louis are known for, what are called toasted ravioli, which are like deep fried raviolis <laughs> used as like appetizers usually. And yeah, it's what Humphrey Mizzou wants to be under your pillow. Yeah. So, so it, it's the like, the, yeah, the, what you lose, what you leave for Humphrey Mizzou at night instead of milk and cookies is gr- is uh, uh-huh. grilled ravioli. Toasted, ravioli. toasted ravioli, rather. So I have always sort of intuitively known this, but it got even worse when I started looking things up. Missouri, much like many other Midwestern adjacent states, has a vast and deep repertoire of incredibly specific niche foods for their state so these are the regional foods of missouri the there are six of them or are they yeah (laughs) no i will go ahead and tell you that of these six five of them are real okay all right one of them is made up or just it it was somewhere only one of them is made up okay completely made up i just made it up yep but Great. they're all okay. so sure. fucking random that, you know, good luck. Okay, so here are they. Here they are. St. Louis-style pizza. Next, gooey butter cake. Next, kettle beef. Next, St. Paul sandwiches. Next, fat poor boy. Next. Provel cheese sandwiches. Yeah. Do you mean ooey gooey cake? Nope. No, it's something else. <laughs> ooey gooey cake. I think they're probably pretty similar. Ooey gooey cake is fantastic. Ooey Love gooey ooey gooey. So good, man. So good. Um, I hate all of these. <laughs> I hate that they exist <laughs> or don't exist. I don't know. 
okay. Um, how do you want to go about this, Yara? Um, and I'm going to take the time to explain what all of these are that are real, because all of the Ugh. ones that are real are fucking crazy. Not not all, okay. of them, but a lot of them. Saint Louis stock pizza imagine. is real because I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Dewey butter cake is definitely real. I've I've researched my pizzas because I needed to make sure Chicago deep dish pizza was the best, and it is. Damn, but I think Detroit's Detroit style personally. You're how do you how does it feel to be wrong, Justin? Just uh, curious. I'm wrong a lot. Or... <laughs> I'm wrong a lot. It's my job to say I'm wrong a lot. Um, Word. That's what's kettle up. beef though. Kettle beef. Mm. Kettle beef is upsetting. Those two words together, mm. I am upset. I'm triggered, and I don't know why. Um, St. Paul sandwich sounds enough like St. Louis style pizza. Ugh, that fat poor boy. Ugh. Like a po boy. It's a fat poor boy though. That's mean. You can't call him that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. What are, what are, what is your heart telling you, Yara? Probable cheese sandwiches has to be real. I think if yeah. one of them is going to be fake, it's going to be kettle beef, St. Paul sandwich, or fat poor boy, because those are names that I think would come out of Nathan's head. I think kettle beef came out of Nathan's head. Okay. That's my knee jerk. What's your knee jerk, Yara? I'm going to say St. Paul sandwich. So then one of us might be one of the one of us has to be correct. Where either also one fair. of us is correct or both of us is wrong. And that's a good way to go about it. Okay. Paul, the thing about St. Paul sandwich it it felt too specific. I also know St. Paul's in Minnesota. So that's oh, I, that's, shit. My bad. <laughs> but there could also be a St. Paul in Missouri. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Is like, I don't know. All right. So okay. a bunch of Catholics in Missouri? we have kettle beef and St. Paul sandwich are choices for the ones that are incorrect. Yep. So you both got it yeah. wrong. The one I made okay. up is the fat poor boy. All the rest Damn of these course. are real. As you were saying, St. Louis style pizza is like cracker pizza. It's like super thin pizza with an unleavened crest. Gooey butter it's cake. For I have never had, but it looks really good. What? Yeah, I've Whoa. I've had I've had ooey gooey cake, but gooey butter cake is like a specific kind of cake that has like a shit ton of butter in it, and it looks really. Oh good. yeah. So it's, it's so good. It is a it is a relative of ooey gooey cake, so I suppose I can say I had it. Next we have kettle. Tell me beef. what kettle beef is. Kettle beef is basically like chipped beef it's like kind of like a gravy pot roast type dish the saint paul sandwich and the provel cheese sandwich and just provel cheese in general are the two that are crazy the saint paul sandwich is specific to saint louis and it came from there was apparently a very i guess a large chinese population in saint louis there were a lot of chinese restaurants so saint paul sandwich is white bread with a patty made out of egg foo young like a Bean sprout Ooh. and omelet, basically, with American cheese and lettuce on it. Nice. Yeah, I eat it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then finally, Provel cheese, which is on all sorts of stuff, is, I guess, like the most Provel cheese is like an incredibly, what's the word, controversial food product in Missouri. 
It's a mixture of provolone, I think mozzarella, Parmesan, and a couple of other cheeses that then is melted, but it has liquid smoke in it. So it tastes like super smoky. And apparently some people just despise it. But it is also quite popular oh on, on, on others. So yeah, those are the regional foods in Missouri. Thank you, Missouri, Wait. for all of these cursed foods. I would eat most mm. of them, if I'm being honest. I would, I would eat too. all of them. I ate Chiba Hut last week twice, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. All right, so are you guys ready for our preview? Are you guys ready to get to know Missouri? We've... Please, the tapestry, sir. So the thing that is interesting about this team is that they are kind of in a transitional period. They're coached by Eli Drinkwitz, who was out of the App State tree. They, as of last year, Eli seemed to be on the hot seat coming into this year. He is obviously no longer on the hot seat, having only lost one game, eight games in. But one of the things that he did coming in is that he had traditionally run sort of the app state offense, which is a very balanced offense that relied on a downhill running attack and a lots of motion and shifts and like execution. App state has ran this for several different coaches going throughout their, his, like the modern history of app state since they've come up from FCS. So he brings in Kirby Moore. Kirby Moore was previously the offensive coordinator. I at a, I believe Columbia, he was an offensive coordinator in the Ivy League school. One of the interesting things about the Ivy League in the in its modern iteration is that the Ivy League has recently been the like cradle of innovation offensively. And while at Columbia, he ran a very interesting and innovative offense. And so he's brought in to sort of implement that in Missouri. Now, one of the things that is interesting at about the way that Missouri's offenses work this year is that they basically haven't needed to change anything because they just have really good players. They are running a different, slightly more wide open attack, but really getting to know Missouri comes down to what I would say to be like three or four key offensive players that have like really powered this progression forward. It really starts with, despite not having the most star power, their, their quarterback, Brady Cook, one of the better quarterbacks that we played this year, ranked by PFF 11th as the 11th highest rated passer this season. He's passed for 2,257 yards, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, a 69.4 completion percentage, which is quite good, and an 80% adjusted completion percentage, which is also quite good. Now, those numbers are bolstered by the fact that he is throwing to a very good stable of wide receivers, led by Luther Burden II. Luther Burden was maybe the most heralded recruit to ever commit to Mizzou. He is a Mizzou, a Missouri guy. He's from Missouri. He is a all everything five star wide receiver who can basically do anything that a wide receiver can be asked to do. So far, he has caught balls for 902 yards, seven touchdowns. He has 14.8 yards per reception, but even more impressively, 3.92 yards per route run. What that number does, yards per route run, is it basically like averages out the impact of a wide receiver when they're just on the field. You know what I mean? So like every time that Luther Burden runs forward, the average gain for the offense is four yards. If you average it out across every time he appears on the field, he is very good. He is bolstered by two other very good receivers, Marquise Johnson and Theo Weiss. 
Theo Weiss has probably gotten more sort of buzz because I think he has just gotten more usage. But Marquise Johnson has like an 8.92 yards per route run. The dude is just like an absolute home run threat. Uh, defensively, they are sort of a mixed bag. I believe that they're like 26th in defensive S&P+. They are a around average defense in terms of most of the ways that we would define like sort of the efficiency of defense using modern stats. So like, for instance, in EPA or PPA, they are 0.14 PPA surrendered per play, um, which is just slightly better than average. They are ranked in defensive EPA 55th, right? So they're just okay defensively. Probably their most effective player this year has been uh, all-name team guy, Enos Rakestraw Jr. What a just fantastic name. Can we just pause and talk about that? Who has not had any interceptions this year, but already has several pass breakups and has been very highly graded by the grading services. They are a team that has sort of been known for scoring a lot of points and then having a good enough defense to make that stick. They only lost one game so far this year, which was to LSU, a game where they basically like just gave up too many points in a shootout. Um, I mean, they're the most talented team we've played this year to this point, period. And they are driven by probably the best skill guy that we have seen this year and maybe outside of like old Mrs. Quinceron Judkins. And if we play Alabama in the postseason, probably one of the more, one of the more talented skill guys we'll see all year offensively in terms of their schematic things to know, as I said, Kirby Moore comes from Missouri Kirby Moore and Eli Drinkwitz both come from sort of the Chris Peterson school of, tree of offensive um, execution and strategy in the sense that they are high motion offenses. They're going to move around a lot before the snap. They are going to be like really efficient. Uh, They are going to actually run the ball a little bit more than they pass. They are going to, I would say lean more on the passing game for their explosive plays And it's going to look very similar to what we saw when it was working last year from Auburn, because Auburn also had a Boise State guy that was from that tree. It also will look maybe something like we used to see at Washington when you had a Boise guy running that as well. In terms of what they do on the field defensively, this is a defense that's just like fine. I can't really find anything schematically that is like too impressive about them. They're not re- they're not led by like an all world player or anything. They just don't have a lot of obvious dudes that you can pick on. Having said that, I they are also not great. They're just sort of an average defense. I'm not sure that there's much else that you need to know. I think that this is a team that Georgia can and will put numbers up against, and I think that Luther Burden is good enough to get his. You just have to sort of handle the wave you have to weather the storm this to me feels like a game in terms of just the matchups that i look at in terms of the stats that is just going to be a game that is decided by who can get stops at the right time and what comes in and if we want to talk about this like in terms of a statistic preview 
one of the things that I really like is opportunity rate. Like how often are you getting inside of the 40 and how often are you letting people inside of the 40? And then also points per opportunity. Like how much are you scoring when you get inside of your opponent's 40? Now, there are some interesting trends in terms of both of those numbers. So in terms of opportunity rate, Georgia has a very good opportunity rate offensively. 65% of the time, our Georgia's drives reach inside of the teams, uh, inside of the opponent's 40. That's good for sixth in the nation or no, that's yeah. Good for fifth in the nation, actually. Defensively, Georgia only lets opponents inside of the 40, 33% of the time, which is good for fifth in the nation. This is a place where Georgia has an advantage over Missouri. Uh, defensively, Missouri, Missouri lets 42% of their opponent's drives get inside of their 40, which is 38th in the nation. And they only get inside of the opponent's 40 about 53% of the time, which is 45th in the nation. So this is a team that can score a lot of points, but they are not necessarily giving themselves a lot of opportunities to do so. And offensively, once they get inside of the 40, they are quite good. They are good for 24th in the nation at 4.5 points per opportunity. They are more likely to score a touchdown as opposed to a field goal. However, defensively, they are very bad in points per opportunity. They're giving up 4.15 points per opportunity, which is good for 99th in the nation. You know, this is a team that can score on you, will score on you. But if Georgia snaps the ball inside of of Missouri's 40, they probably should score a touchdown. Um, Other stats that you normally want to look at. This is a very efficient team, Missouri. They're quite efficient on offense. They're very good at holding opponents to low efficiency as well. They are a far better team offensively on passing downs because of their very talented wide receivers than they are on, um, than they are on standard downs. However, they are still an above average team offensively on standard downs. Interestingly enough, defensively, they are pretty bad on standard down, um, plays and they are very bad on passing down plays. This are, sorry, they're actually quite good on passing down plays. So this is a team that if they can get you in third and long, they're pretty good at getting you off the field. But if they're just in the open play, it is not that impressive of a team. They are, in terms of PPA, they're a way better uh, team offensively passing than they are rushing, which sort of holds up with what we know about the personnel, even though they do actually rush the ball more than they pass it. This is a game that Georgia should win. They are currently forward, uh, favored by 16 points, and yet it is still a game that Missouri can't win. This is a much more talented team than any other team that we played this year, and I would say that is the game that we are the most likely to lose that we've played to this point. So that's where we are. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you could make an argument that Ole Miss has something to say about that. And the tricky thing about Tennessee is that you have to play in Neyland, which is a house of horrors. But yeah, I think it's either Missouri or Ole Miss that are the best team that will play, you know, throughout the rest of the year. If if you want to, I can brief, I can look up what the, what our metrics would say. Let's see. Sure. According to CBCCR2. From the eye test, I will say Ole Miss is just sloppy um, in a way that Missouri, I feel like, is not. So we have Ole Miss as the 18th uh, best team in CBCR2, which remember is a backwards facing power metric, not a predictive metric. And we have Missouri 22nd and CBCR2. So we like Ole Miss more than Missouri, but not necessarily by a lot. 
uh, I think the big differentiator that we have between Ole Miss and Missouri and our numbers is that we think Missouri, we think that Ole Miss actually has a slightly better offense and a slightly better defense, like one rank better in offense and five ranks better in, or sorry, one rank better in defense, five ranks better in offense. So that's Missouri. Let's talk about what we want to see, because this is definitely an opportunity to set the tone for the rest of the season. If, if UGA loses to Missouri, they can still win the East. They can still achieve their goals as long as they win out and, you know, things break the right way. But if you beat Missouri, you set yourself up for a stretch run to a three-peat. So what do we want to see other than obviously winning the game? I mean, that's the big one for me is we, I feel like, I feel like that we just need to sort of make a statement as we lead into these last four games, but what I expect to see is a more conservative game than we've seen the last several games. I think we'll run a limited number of plays from the playbook. I think we'll stick to what works. I think that we're in the part of the season now that we've seen the last few seasons where we start showing less of what we you know, want people to uh, sort of prepare for because we're, we're getting to the point where we're about to clinch the East. And so that's that's what I expect to see. What I want to see, though, like I said, is I would like us to continue at that same pace that we've set so far. What about you, Yara? Um, I mean, you're definitely a lot more versed than me in terms of, like, how seasons go. Because I thought we were going to, like, make a statement about this game more so than being conservative about the game, you know? I, I feel like as a team, well, at least I'm hoping that... We took that ranking to heart. I don't know if you guys saw, but every other team in the top four posted about their ranking, and we just posted Bloody Tuesday. And that was it. In the cool font, nonetheless. Like, social media team know what they're doing. But I think that we show up and we stunt out this week. I think we're going to take these rankings to heart. Like I, like I was saying earlier, yummy rat poison, you know? I don't think we're going to play as conservatively as the past few games, I would say. I, I, or at least I hope not. Your explanation does make sense, Justin. But in my heart, I just want us to, like, stunt on these hoes. Yeah, you know? make it happen. Stunt on Humphrey Mizzou. <laughs> stunt on him. I wouldn't stunt mm-hmm. on Humphrey. I would. <laughs> I wouldn't want to incur his wrath, personally. I'll just make him some fried ravioli and it'll be okay. Amen. <laughs> that is all the man wants. Absolutely. Nathan, how about you? Nathan, what about you? Okay, so let's play a game. It's called Jamadon Dubis Johnson Goes in the Right Place Challenge. Because this is a team that will run on you if you're not careful. Uh, Brady Cook is not particularly mobile, but still. Um, to second that i guess corollary to that is the the put brady's cook's ass in the ground challenge uh, a good way to keep a talented wide receiver down is to sack his quarterback if we can get some sacks on this guy i think that can really change the game i think really this is a game that's going to come down to a couple of key stops if you can hold serve against this team and get them racing you know get them trying to catch up they are still very good at catching up because they have a very explosive passing attack but this is still a team that, like, if you can break serve on them, you can continue to score and kind of just put the game away. I think if we have some key D 
defensive plays in the third quarter, especially that we'll be in really good shape to win this game. And then finally, I just feel like that this might be the game where Carson Beck like just drops a dime on a motherfucker. Like, I think that this might be a Carson Beck game. I don't know why I think that. I just like Carson Beck just looked real freaking good against Florida. I think he did some self-scouting. I think I mean, obviously they did self-scouting in the bye week. And it just felt like that dude is just like really seeing the field well right now. And Missouri's defense is fine. They're a top 30 defense. They're a top, you know, 20 team. But, and I'm not sure that they are the defense that Auburn is in terms of talent. And, you know, I think that Carson is rounding in the form at the right time. I'm not always a like prestige guy. I'm not always a guy that believes that like Kirby's just holding things back, but like, we're two national titles in and at some point in both of those national tidy title seasons, 2021, I remember distinctly it was when they got Arkansas at home. And then in 2022 is when they got Tennessee at home. Kirby smart is apt to have a home game where he just like beats somebody's ass to prove he can beat somebody's ass. And that's kind of what I feel like is going to happen. And that leaves us into our All predictions. Right. I feel like y'all have convinced me in some ways that nice. over the last two years there have definitely been some games where i'm like i think this is gonna happen based on precedence and then kirby smart goes he, he zags when we think he'll zig and this season i feel like has been that season as well it's been a lot of like rewriting the narrative and changing precedent and kind of doing whatever they want it seems whenever they want so yeah i i, I could expect a game where we definitely you know control it from start to finish and uga finishes like a solid like 38 to 13 is what i'll say all right what about you Yara? <laughs> take. so supportive um not gonna lie whenever we do these predictions i don't really have a method to my madness i kind of look at the va- i look at the vegas vegas whoa rating and then i look at sam and and then I look at my soul, you know, like, what do Some I want? self-scouting, as Nathan put it. Yeah. What do I feel is going to be the, the score in my heart and in my soul? And that's my secret. Hope this helps, guys. Please don't use me for gambling advice. But <laughs> I think that the score is going to be 41 to 20. I think that we will not only cover the spread, um, but we will do so triumphantly. And we will have a great homecoming game. And Carson Beck will indeed be, he will have that dog in him. How about you, The trumpets will sound, and over the hills, the boys (laughs) will come. Look for me on the fifth day, Don. So, (laughs) I think that this is a game where, as I said, I think Carson Beck's going to have a coming out party. I also think that when you play a guy as talented as Luther Burden, that is going to be NFL on NFL. And I think that we are might have a little bit of weakness in our defensive secondary in terms of I just I don't like the technique that I've seen from some members of our defensive secondary who will remain unnamed. But I just name them <laughs> call Come their out. asses out. <laughs> I do think it's a really good matchup. These wide receivers versus the cornerbacks. And I think Georgia is going to win as much as it loses in that matchup. But when you have a guy as talented as Luther Burden, he's going to get his. So I do think we're going to win this game semi-comfortably. But I think that this is going to be like 
Missouri is going to score in the high 20s. And I think if Missouri, Missouri is scoring in the high 30s, that's when we're in trouble. But I don't know that that's going to happen. To me, this feels like 42-28. And again, I am not much more scientific than Yara. This is just all vibes. All vibes, baby. For the record, Sam predicts this to be a 33-16 to game. So none of us are that far off that. Justin, you've evolved over the years. I think we can agree. And, you know, we all, we become better versions of ourselves as we age in many ways, I hope. But I think that in this instance, your evolution has taken a dark path. And because we're it's time for Justin's Porn Corner, and we're doing this all analog, baby. This one's straight from the gray manor. <laughs> the gray matter, yes. The gray matter, I sorry. learned earlier this evening, um, RIP, that... ChatGPT will no longer create my my dark machinations. So what was at one point unspeakable horrors made by man and machine, it is now just unspeakable horrors made by man. And so um, I'm out here spitting this one straight off the dome. I'm laying these bars down. I'm, I'm sharing some lines for all of y'all. Um, this is my own poetry uh, about our own hairy dog and Truman the Tiger. So who holds the leash? We'll see if it is indeed Truman the Tiger. This one goes, in Athens where two years had passed, Truman and Harry met, memories to amass. A playful jest, Truman's joke was cast of one Mizzou win in the distant past. But Harry, ever the Georgia fan, quickly set the record straight, began. Sure, one win, but understand, we've won every other, my friend. With Truman back in town, they set out to explore Athens' treasures, each spot they adored. The Bulldogs showed Truman, the tiger roared. In the city they loved, like times of yore. As day faded and the stars took flight, they sat, sharing stories into the night. Drinks in hand under the moonlight, their friendship rekindled, shining bright. But just as they pondered, heading home's route, Humphrey Mazoo appeared, without a doubt. Clovenhoof sprained, he was in a rout, to deliver candy, his tradition devout. Only for kids who offer in delight, toasted ravioli tucked in so tight. In exchange for candy, it's a child's right to sweeten their dreams through the night. Truman and Harry joined the Mizzou mission, visiting children, their hearts in submission. Laughter and joy, a shared vision, they made memories, a night's sweet rendition. And as the dawn painted the sky, a new day's start, Truman and Harry, reluctant to part, the game loomed near with love in their heart, but in Athens, their bond will stay a work of art. That was Bars gorgeous, dude. Snaps. That was Snaps. gorgeous. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like that, that you beautiful. got Humphrey Mizzou in there. I don't think, you know, take that. <laughs> needs to be in there. Take that, chat GPT. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. Give me that toasted ravioli, baby. Well said. I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like... I'm happy with it. I'm I'm proud of where it, where it went. <laughs> That was like bars as fuck. I really like the penultimate, what is it, like stanza or verse or the little mini paragraph where you rhymed (laughs) mission, submission, vision, and rendition. Oh my God. Become the Migos (laughs) Ghostwriter. They need you. The Migos Ghostwriter. (laughs) I felt it was bad that I rhymed mission and submission. Nathan, what would you, what grade would you give this as an English teacher? Well, as a high school English teacher, I'd give it a zero because it's not appropriate for school. But in a hypothetical Boo. world, in a hypothetical <laughs> world where I could accept this work, I would say 
I mean, this is this is a high B, I'd say. What? Oh my god! What would make it better? Um, well, it's a little bit, it's a little too consistent rhythmically, and it doesn't subscribe to a traditional panza or stanza format. I think when you're writing poems, <laughs> you either want to very, very strictly uh, ascribe to genre, or you want to write in free verse. You don't want to do something like in the muddled middle. Uh, uh-huh. But other than that, I, I think it's very good diction, very good syntax. I don't see a lot of enjambment, but your imagery is really strong. I really get a sense of who What's these characters are. Enjambment, what the fuck is enjambment? Enjambment refers to made a word up. when, no, this is real. And it's also something that you know about, uh, Justin, because you listen to emo music in the 2000s. And they were really big into this. Oh, okay. Enchantment is when you break a sentence in the middle. You break the sentence in the middle of it with a line of poetry. And you break it in, in uh, such a way that you can interpret it either way. So, like, you have a word hanging uh, that you can either attach to a previous line or a, a forward line. And it's something that, like, My Chemical Romance and Taking Back Sunday did all the time. I do that constantly in my poetry. Well, work on it. Never knew it was called enjambment. I would also <laughs> say, and this is more of an artistic choice, so this isn't this isn't a thing you would have to do, and I wouldn't take out points for this, but I subscribe to, in poetry, this sort of Ernest Hemingway theory of squeezing all of the juice out of the orange, right? I only want to see pulp. I don't want to uh-huh. see juice. So I really think that yeah. if we kind of, like, converted this into more of, like, a tone poem or, like, an imagist sort of working through the different images and how they apply like the the sort of shine of the the wet fur and the oh yeah the 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 dead fish eyes under the halogen lamps or whatever oh yeah but but then it becomes more of a horror poem <laughs> yeah that's pretty terrifying <laughs> i i understand now the only fans desire for for your students to want an only fans where you just provide validation because I've never asked you, I realize as I asked you this, in the eight years that I've known you, <laughs> I've never asked you to put on your work hat for me for a moment. And I found myself in this hypothetical situation thinking, why isn't it better, senpai? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you like it yeah. more? So I, I get it now. I get English it. English is the thing. English teaching and reading and writing is the one thing where I have any pretensions of confidence. Anyway... This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what you heard here today, you are very, very welcome to leave us a rating review wherever fine podcasts are served. If you'd like to further support this podcast, as we've talked about a couple of times, we would love if you come and join our Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve for as little as $1 a month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or you can find us on social media anywhere that fine social media is served at chapel bell curve we'd also love if you gave us a follow and a retweet or whatever the hell it is i don't know talk to yara i'm bad at social media anyway we will catch you this weekend in the classic city and also we'll be tomorrow night at that graduate hotel thing with home field they said that we could come get swag so we're going you want to show up But it comes. Yeah, this is not an ad. I'm just saying. But anyway, we'll catch you this weekend in the Classic City for the big game between the hedges. But until then, go dogs. Go Go dogs. dogs.